Whether you need to restock the fridge or just have a sudden, intense craving for cheese puffs, Kroger Delivery will get you just what you need in as little as 30 minutes. From groceries to household items, Kroger delivers right to your door. So don't let one major craving have you reaching for your car keys. Open the Kroger app and start your cart, whatever the cart. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Delivery times not guaranteed. Restrictions may apply. See site for details. Stay cool this summer with AC Pro and O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card after mail-in rebate with the purchase of select AC Pro ready-to-use refrigerant products that include a hose and gauge. Beat the heat before you hit the road with AC Pro at your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back to the X-One, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, X-Zone at XZoneRadioTV.com on all social media sites, TV. And for all the broadcasting and programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV show, well, this is where we gets a little complicated. On Simul TV, we are channel number 21, and that's www.simultv.com. But we're also on Jungo TV. We're also on Con TV. We're also on iLaunch throughout the United States and 50 other countries. And, of course, we're on, um, gosh, I just had it right there. Oh, Comcast. There you go. And every Tuesday at uh, 9.30 right here in Hamilton on Cable 14. My guest this hour is Michel Deschamps. He's a former MUFON member and former provincial section director for Sudbury, Ontario. Since July 1974, he has had 27 separate UFO sightings, including two captured on video. He has appeared on numerous radio and television shows. And um, so joining me from the far north, where, according to Michel, just before we went on air, they are 14 inches short of a snowfall record in Sudbury, Ontario. Michel Deschamps. Michel, welcome to the X-Zone. Thanks, Rob. Kind of cold up there, right? 
Uh, it's, it's been cold, but it's very, very snowy. I mean, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen this much snow since at least the late 70s. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. Michelle, and, tell, tell our listeners how you started getting involved with UFOs. What was the, what was the uh, catalyst for the work you do in UFOs? Um, that's a question that's been asked repeatedly. Um, I'm sometimes I'm not sure if it was the interest that came first or the sighting. I had a sighting when I was age nine. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, um, that sighting wasn't confirmed until many, many years later. But, uh, I, uh, a few years after, well, actually next, the next year after that, when I turned age 10, um, I heard the term flying saucer for the first time. And I, I said to myself, I says, there's, I guess I may have found the topic that I want to study as in-depth as I possibly can. Um, I was already involved in the paranormal. It seems that age nine is a, uh, a pivoting age for uh, a lot of, uh, whether you're a ghost investigator or UFO investigator or a Bigfoot mm -hmm. investigator, it seems that age nine is a perfect, it seems to be the right age where everybody that seems to have, have gotten their start. And, um, um, the sighting that I had when I was nine, it was a spherical metallic object hovering above treetop level. Now, you said that you would it be would it be fair to say that you started uh, your your journey uh, because of your interest in the paranormal? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And what was it in the paranormal that that got you so interested? Well, <laughs> I, I came up with a lot of weird things that I would tell my mom and my mm -hmm. mom couldn't figure out where the hell it came from. I would say, I would say when I was young, I'd say I either wanted to be a priest or I wanted to be dead. And she said, what? I says, yeah, because death is a, uh, death is a transition be be between one life state to another. It's the greatest journey you could ever undertake. And I, and I, I, I blurted this out at age eight or nine and, uh, uh, at that time, also not not long after, uh, a TV show called Project UFO was on the air. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, like I said, I heard the term flying saucer, and it, I, I decided to specialize or f mainly focus in onto UFOs. But I also researched the Bermuda Triangle uh, in depth, uh, Virgin um, Virgin Mary apparition sightings, ghost sightings, uh, Bigfoot, Loch Ness. I looked at everything. Uh, since a very young age, but I decided, decided to branch off into UFOs, not knowing that I was going to have that many sightings. Now, according to the information you sent us, you've had uh, 27 separate UFO sightings. Yep. Uh, what do you attribute the, to the fact that you've had so many UFO sightings, and there are many people who have had none? Uh, first of all, I'm not a big sports fan, so I don't sit in front of the TV. Uh, I do watch a lot of TV shows and sci-fi. I grew up on sci-fi, as a matter of fact, ever since I saw uh, the lunar landing live mm -hmm. on television back in 69 when I was five. And uh, I don't watch sports. I'm not interested in anything but UFOs. And each time I would have a sighting, well, the sightings around here mo mostly, I think, are uh, uh, because of the... Uh, the mine sites, well, we had, well, I, I guess we're still considered the nickel capital of the world. But at one time before they got bought out, we had the two largest, the two large mining giants in the world. We had Falconbridge right. Limited mm -hmm. and Inco. 
And a lot of the sightings seem to have gravitated around all the mine sites, not just here in Sudbury, but up in Timmins, Kirken Lake, um, North Bay, of course, which is a mil as a military base or had a military base, an extensive one in the 50s. That is about almost two hours east of here. And uh, so if, for different areas, it depends what the magnet is for UFOs. In Blind River, it's the nuclear refinery formerly known as the Eldorado Nuclear Refinery, but now it's called Systems Management Facility. Very, very nonchalant name for, for something that produces radioactive pellets for Chalk River and Deep River nuclear power plants. And so they have UFO sightings there because of that. Um, and, and, and oddly enough, in Blind River, too, J. Allen Hynek had a camp there, has a camp. His family has a camp. And he actually had coined that area one of the prime primary hotspots of UFO sightings in Ontario, Lake de Bourne, Blind River area. Here in Sudbury, it's the mine sites. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of reported sightings. Uh, actually, there was a sighting of a black triangular object not too long ago over Garson Mine or the town of Garson, just about at the same time that a rock burst or an earthquake took place, about maybe two to two and a half to three weeks ago now. Is it possible that uh, that what you're actually witnessing up there are a lot of new military uh, aircraft? No, no. There's no use for the military to be here. Uh, I've been seeing these things like way before even drones came into mm. uh, existence. Uh, and also, when during each sighting that I've had, which in appearance, they all seem to be different, I would study the behavior, not just gawk at the sighting and say, ooh, wow, UFO. I would actually study the behavior because I knew at some point in time this would be a point of argument for people saying, well, how can you claim to be a, tra a self-trained or self-taught observer and uh, know what the UFOs behave like? Uh, I knew it had to be something. I, I'm really meticulous when it comes to attention to detail, especially when it comes to UFOs. And so I studied every each and every sighting in detail, watched how they moved, how they came in to, uh, to, to, to my line of sight, how they left the area. And uh, I'm pretty sure with my gut instincts that, that I'm right on the money. Uh, military devices we've seen, uh, I've collected several pictures of what the different military drones that are in existence, whether they're water drones or, or, or air, you know, air drones of any kind, whether they're, they're shaped like small planes, unmanned small planes that actually go in really fast to take mm -hmm. photographs over some enemy country and then come back. You know, they, they seem to be typical. The, the, the usual drones, while they don't have any wings, and uh, and but they wouldn't have the same flight characteristics as UFOs would would have, and so uh, it, it took a long time. Uh, you know, it even took me the first ten sightings I've had to realize that there was something really really odd going on, and uh, try to match it up against conventional aircraft or military aircraft. And since I grew up near a, the Sudbury Airport, right, uh, I familiarized myself pretty damn quick with what aircraft look like both at, at in the daytime and at night with the light configurations and all that. Now, the 27, uh, 27 different sightings that you've had to date, Michelle, yeah. is there any, you know, uh, are there similarities? I mean, besides the fact that the craft can't be identified, but are there other similarities at time of day, type of day, weather, uh, or is it all across the board? Uh, most of my sightings I've had were oddly in the fall. Mm -hmm. um, uh, even the one landing physical uh, 
Trace case that I investigated had taken place in September, but I hadn't gotten there until the following June. All right, Michelle, we're going to have to have a bit of a cliffhanger here because I have to take my first break. And Michelle, is there a website where people can go and visit uh, and learn more about you? Yes, www. I'll spell it out. N as in Normand, O-U-F-O-R-S.com. It stands for Northern Ontario UFO Research and Study, but it includes way more than just Northern Ontario. All right, we've got to go. Mike, Michelle, please stand by. Michelle Deschamps and I return on the other side of this break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast centre and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Michel Deschamps, my special guest of this hour, Exonation. His website is www.noufors.com. And Michel, before we went to the break, you were telling us about a, a landing with trace evidence that you investigated. Tell us about that, that, uh, that rather very interesting event. Uh, well, I initially heard about it from uh, a radio broadcast a little, from a local station where they were um, talking about crop circles and uh, when they mentioned that they had found a couple in the area, I got a hold of the uh, the broadcaster, and she re then referred me to somebody who had taken pictures and had been on the site. Um, when I met the person, all he gave me was a strip of negatives, and I couldn't really make out what was on the photo until I had the pictures developed. Right. And, it, and then right away I knew I wasn't looking at crop circles. I, there, this was something on hard surface mm -hmm. with a layer of gravel where the gravel had been blown away leaving two i guess you could call them indentations the 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 area is is a solid surface of limestone about mm -hmm. 80 to 90 feet in diameter completely surrounded by trees mind you and not very not visible at all from the main road uh, uh, at this location on Manitoulin island and uh the gravel was blown away, leaving these two donut-shaped indentations. Uh, so uh, after talking to Ted Phillips, who was, is the leading authority on physical trace cases, it uh, turns out there was two small objects that actually landed next to each other. Maybe one was assisting the other, we don't know. The only report I have of lights in the sky uh, was this man named Keith Misselbrook, who lived nearby, he's mm -hmm. passed away by now, and he had a breathing problem, and he was awake at 4 o'clock in the morning going to get water at his sink, and he looked out the window and saw two lights descending side by side. Um, the the area itself is a quarter mile away from the main road, I, I, and people would say, well, maybe it's a hoax or whatever. Well, if it's a hoax, I would have placed it right next to the road where which, where, where there would, it would have been well-traveled uh, you know, traffic. Sure. But to be in the woods where it was, I, it just didn't make any sense. Was and, was it a clearing in the woods where the, where this was found? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and how, how, how big would you say these, this area was where the gravel was, was basically blown away from? 
Uh, the two circles seem to be between six to nine feet in diameter, uh, with the gravel, uh, a mound of gravel in, in the middle. And then uh, when we got on site the first time, because I'd been there three times within a year and a half of, of this, uh, so it lasted through a winter, never got wiped out after that. It was there like two years later. Um, it looked like there was dried cake, uh, uh, like mud, dried mm-hmm. mud that was in the, in the circle. But then the gravel itself, you could not remove it from the limestone surface unless you used a scraper. I found that really weird. There's no residual, uh, no residue there, that no glue, nothing that would indicate that it was glued to the surface of the limestone, but yet it was. And on the outer perimeter of the circles, the gravel was just as hard. But on the surface itself, where the, the, the donut-shaped indentations were, right. you could sweep the gravel loosely, no problem whatsoever. Now, the, night, so, in, the night in question, yeah, uh, was there any unknown air traffic that was reported by Transport Canada? Uh, not that I know. Not Did, that I know. How about the military? Uh, neither. Uh I was the only civilian investigator, supposedly, mm-hmm. uh, that was there. Did the OPP um, re- re- uh, receive any calls? Uh, the OPP, I don't think they received calls about that one, but mm-hmm. I do have um, a write-up in some old Ontario journal by this OPP officer that I personally know who actually investigated another landing case. He's actually photographed crouching down next to another landing site on Manitoulin mm-hmm. Island. Mindamoya area was his beat. And uh, I'm trying to get the story off of him because he's retired now. Sure. And, it was, and I heard of another third uh, location site mm-hmm. that actually took place near Meldrum Bay at the most western end of the island where now, three circles surrounded by four pod marks were found. All right, let's go back to this, uh, this uh, yeah. one that we're talking about, that, uh, that the witness saw these lights descending yeah. into the woods. That was uh, how far from the highway? Uh, I'd say a quarter mile. Okay, a quarter mile from the highway yeah. at four o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, was there a, was there any sampling taken and sent to an independent lab for analysis of the rocks and this caked material? Uh, no, sadly no, because <laughs> I pretty well botched that up. It was my first time mm-hmm. ever. We it took a while before we even found the site, and then even uh, the guy that I was with, who right. was not very reliable, had called in my provincial director at that time because I was with Mufon, and he drove up all the way from Ottawa, and we looked through, uh, we ran through, uh, well, we walked through and ran through 400 acres of land, and then found out it was the wrong location. Then I ran into the uh, property owner who only checked his property once a week. Uh, he lived in the town of Spring Bay, but the property itself where the landing took place is a quarter mile out of there. And so he took me to the property, and uh, that's why I found the whole thing very, very uh, um, highly unusual because it was out out of out of sight and 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 out of uh, you know from the area where the where, where they actually lived. But what is so and, unusual about that? Because most UFO landings, uh, if they are landings, if they are UFOs, in fact. For yeah. example, the Randallstrom Forest. That wasn't beside a highway. That was in the middle of the woods. Yeah. So what's yeah. unusual? Well, just that the fact that uh, there was two in, two two marks and like two circular marks uh-huh. and and uh, that like I said, it, there, there didn't seem to be any trace. And and the funny thing is, it was a gravel. I couldn't see how it could be a gravel pit because the 
the the soil itself the ground was hard limestone surface but there was trucks that used to go through there to pick up to haul out gravel right and um there was this was this this happened in mid-september of 1990 mm-hmm. and i got there in june of 91 and they were still very very, very visible the gravel was still pretty well stuck to the limestone and i the last time i was there was in 1993 and then by then you could you could have swept the entire area and the gravel finally came right off the limestone with no problem it swept the area clean but it, but if the lime but if the gravel had been on top of the limestone like you said for so many years isn't it possible that it was just caked on no you can make out the difference right away there was just like some oddities about the whole thing like i like i said you needed a scraper to scrape it off but the mud itself came off easily it was just like some peculiarities about about the whole thing and plus I in the ensuing years and the years before then, mm-hmm. uh, actually more more the years after, I found out how much of a hotspot Manitoulin is. I mean, I spoke to a lot of people at First Nation reservations and communities, and there'd been a lot of sightings there. I mean, almost as many there, if not more, than what's been taking place in Sudbury or even well, Blind River is near the the west, the most western point of the island. So I wasn't surprised at all over the over time after talking to a lot mm-hmm. of people and witnesses. Um, it just, everything clicked together. Everything clicked together, but were any of these reports actually investigated by a governmental agency or a scientific agency? Uh, Not that I know. Why not? If it was of such significance. Well, probably because they were reported to me and uh, (laughs) I wasn't much trusting of, I'm still not much trusting of the government for for coming out. That's Mm -hmm. why I... I am not looking at the uh, even contemplating contemplating the idea that there's going to be disclosure. <laughs> so if there is any disclosure of any type at any scale, it's going to be from people like us who actually wind up in the field but being called into to, to n- these sightings. No, no disrespect, but yeah. why would anybody believe what you would say? You're not an expert. Uh, after all these years, you damn right I'm an expert. No, not I, really, not really, because if you were no, if you were an expert, if you were an expert, well, you would have taken some samples. Yeah, I would have taken some samples, and and I didn't really have anything to take samples with. I do have samples of some of the rock that eventually uh-huh. broke off the actual landing site. Right. But never got them tested. Is is it possible uh, we that for radiation we're using compasses, but nothing really spun out of of you know normal. Okay, but uh, it, it, did it ever occur to somebody that that may have been a helicopter that landed? No. Why not? No, no because there's, there's, there's uh, again, similarities with that and the, uh, the Delphos, Kansas uh, landing site and a lot of the other ones that Ted Phillips investigated. Yeah, the but, shape yeah, but... was the same. The appearance was the same. The, the medium may have been different. Because uh-huh. some of the landing sites I've seen are on grass, where the 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 donut shape is actually where grass is no longer growing. This was different. This was on limestone with mm-hmm. a three quarter inch uh, layer of uh, gravel that was but, simply. But once away. again, why could it not have been a military craft, a helicopter, um, a civilian aircraft? Why does it have to be a UFO? Because uh, it's private property, and yeah. it, the, the 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 clearing itself is too too uh, with the trees around there. It would mm-hmm. been, it would not have been a place where a helicopter would have dared to land. Uh, and it's a, it was private property as well. And with traffic going through there, mm-hmm. um, I just it just doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. It's like 
people trying to say that the military is flying over here, going on joyrides, being reported as UFOs when there's no point of the military being up here. But uh, but on, in, but on the same but on the same course of thought, yeah. just because it doesn't make sense doesn't make it doesn't mean it isn't so. You've got to. You've got, yeah. to, you've got to check out all your leads when doing an investigation, not selective leads. We'll be back well, on the other side of this commercial break as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget, X-Zone Nation, you can get your complimentary copy of the X-Chronicles newspaper at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. And uh, if you're interested in finding out who's who in the world of the paranormal and parapsychology, new age, metaphysics, and so on, in your area, just go to www.xzdd. Wait a second, X own directory. XZDWW, XZDWW.net. I'm Rob McConnell. This is the X Zone. Don't go away. www.noufors.com is uh, Michel Deschamps' website, and he is a uh, UFO investigator up in Sudbury, Ontario. Um, just getting back to the site, I, it, it, yeah. it concerns me that, that when UFO researchers go investigate a site, they, they miss asking the the authorities, uh, you know, like for example, a call to air traffic control or to Transport Canada. Did you have any unknown uh, traffic in this area? Yes or no. The Ontario Provincial Police, local municipal police forces, the Canadian Armed Forces. Uh, why why not ask these people? They're the experts. Yeah, at that time I didn't I didn't think about that. Oh, I even, even even when I had my sighting in 1992, mm -hmm. that I was able to call. But now I wouldn't even know where to call now to find. Uh, Find out, let's say, what is the cloud ceiling, or uh, well, that's easy enough. So, well, Environment Canada. You go on their yeah. website, and in or you can go to a twenty-four hour radar track and get all the information there. Yeah, well, I have that on my cell phone now too. Yeah. But uh, you know, some of this stuff came into being after <laughs> after you know, sort of botching things sure. up and then uh, learning by trial and error. Mm -hmm. What um, do you What do you think about the fact that the Canadian government no longer wants anything to do with UFOs, that what they've done is they've tossed it over to Chris Rutowski. I'm not so sure that he gets everything, including the juicy cases. Mm -hmm. I, I'd be surprised if he gets, like, uh, the, the, the good radar cases or 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 any, any well, God forbid, any landing would actually stick st st uh, still take place because for some odd reason the UFOs seem to have gone on to do something else because this is no longer the heydays of... Uh, of uh, you know, like uh, UFO sure. car encounters or uh, abductions is the only thing that seems to happen in the occasional sighting. But when what? you go back through the 40s and 50s and 60s, the sightings used to take place all the time. And, yeah. and we're talking close encounters where they're swooping down at cars. Well, it, see, it seems that all these UFO sightings have kind of petered off ever since the advent of everyone having a camera. 
well, maybe the aliens know that we have or those may now. Or maybe a lot of these UFO sightings were made up. Uh, after talking to a lot of people, you can tell that you can tell from looking in their eyes that they, uh, I've had people come up and try to pull the wool over my eyes and I can tell a bullshitter a mile away. Yeah. Do you want to watch your language, please? <laughs> oh, sorry. Thank you. Uh, but, uh, you know what I mean? It's just after many times of, uh, of seeing something, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I'm biased towards UFOs and, and, but I still won't jump right away. I'm some people assume that I, I will call yeah. something a UFO within seconds of watching it. I won't just do that. I'll watch it for an hour. If it takes two hours, winter depending, because I'm not going to freeze my butt outside sure. looking for so- at something. But you, I mean, are you trying to? T- are you telling me that you've actually had sightings that have lasted up to two hours? Uh, no. The longest one was probably uh, a good twenty minutes, okay. maybe, because uh, I saw it from the three different three three different vantage points. Isn't and that was the, the one near the old abandoned radar base, which no longer exists. Isn't that rather unusual for anyone to have a sighting that lasts that long? Mm, not really, I don't think. I haven't counted on my hands like how many people have had sightings that exceeded an hour, but there have been uh, there have been uh, people that have seen uh, things that are pretty close to to that long or that that length of time. Hmm. I, I, you know. Earlier, uh, earlier, you were saying that that you know you've you've learned how to be a trained observer, and that you've been able to to observe, uh, you know, with 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 credibility, the you know the some of the twenty seven UFOs that that you yourself have have experienced and sighted. Um, yeah. I, I asked you earlier, and I think we got sidetracked about the behavior of all these UFOs. Uh, did they all look alike? Did they all know? No. No, some of the stuff, look, some of the uh, UFOs, that's the thing that I'm, I'm trying to argue against people saying, oh, it's a drone. Mm-hmm. So this is before drone times, before drones came into existence. And plus, I don't know of any drone that we're piloting that is an actual source of light. Like what is where, you know, what keeps it afloat? What makes it work? Like if you don't have any props on it, you don't yeah. have any wings on mm-hmm. it and it's a light source. You know, I have yet to see anything like that. And trust me, I've seen Chinese lanterns as well. And they're not they're not very controllable. They Mm -hmm. go by the whim of the winds and they they, they'll, you know, anything else will fly against the wind, cross winds uh, will shoot up and up and down side to side. The objects I saw, some of them, they did the weirdest maneuver. One, actually, I described the best way I could sketch it. It looked like a white candy cane in the sky is as if. If it had been a plane, we're talking about a plane that's going level flight and then all of a sudden going nose down and then reversing direction and leaving a white candy cane of of of, of white in the sky. And it doesn't make any sense like at all. Like a contrail? Uh, yeah, but not a contrail. Like we're talking like a contrail that would be uh, um, not like like a plane can turn around, but not, first of all, not that abruptly. Mm-hmm. And so you wouldn't have, we're talking like, you look at a candy cane. I mean, it's a very sharp curve. Sure is, yeah. And I'm looking at it from the side. I'm not looking at it looking straight up. I'm looking at it from the side. So a plane taking a nosedive and then completely mm-hmm. reversing itself while flying upside down would be the best direction. It would be the best explanation to say that's what this did. This, if there was a plane, it's a plane that flew level flight right side up nose down 
and then and then reverse direction, but was flying upside down. It doesn't make any sense at all. It that was one object yeah. that I saw. All right, but um, once again, let me ask you some very basic questions. Were you the only person to witness this? Apparently, yes. Okay, so there yeah. was so there were no reports made to no. Transport Canada, the Ontario no. Provincial Police, yeah. or anywhere else. A lot of the sightings, I sadly I had no witnesses whatsoever, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's you know. <laughs> Yeah. I've seen the, the 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 craziest stuff in in broad daylight too at work, and I couldn't leave work to follow the the thing with my camera, or even to go and get a camera. Right. But I would just watch this thing. It was a beautiful disc. One one other sighting was this beautiful disc with uh whatever was was coming off of it. Was it whether it a mist or whatever? It was almost like fishtailing behind this disc, and I watched that thing for 15 minutes until it was a little cotton ball in the sky. We're talking broad daylight. And I, I caught it like mid, mid-flight. mid If I had looked to the northwest, I would have seen it coming in. But I was outside taking the snow off the cars at the dealership I was working at the time and, and never had it. My camera was a 110 camera. It's right. a simple 110. And, and if I had left it in a glove compartment, we're talking winter, the camera could have froze and not worked properly. And I didn't want to risk losing my job mm. for running off on my 15-minute break or well, whatever sure. I was doing outside just to photograph you know that's why that's one of the biggest arguments i get yeah. to how come the ufo pictures are not ever clear i said well you're talking about a lower light source at night you can't make out what's behind it producing the light and in mm-hmm. the daytime um if it's an oval a white oval i mean since when do we fly white oval shaped objects i don't know of anything like that the the, the more recent uh, video taken by a cell phone was taken broad daylight by people who were snow shoveling in blind river and my perception is that this thing seemed to be at 6,000 feet altitude, six to seven miles away from the eyes of the people who were filming it with a cell phone. Because you can make out it's an oval shape. If it had been a plane, you would have seen shadows where the wings jut out. You would have seen the tail fin at that distance. But all you could see is a little oval passing right below the moon in a beautiful blue sky, broad daylight. And that's my assumption. Maybe uh, people will accuse me, well, how can you be sure it's not at 20,000 feet? Well, first of all, you're looking almost horizontally. You're not looking straight up. I've seen planes at 35,000 feet. I've seen planes at, at 29,000 feet. And I've seen planes at 6,000 feet. And I photographed all of them to show the difference of what they look like compare, in comparison to these UFOs that some people occasionally get a good shot of. But it, it's rare. It's becoming rarer now. That's why even I, I'm now left to go back and just stick with the old cases of the 40s, 50s, and 60s because now... People can play with these digital photos, Mm -hmm. uh, CGI, whatever, and you can't trust anybody unless you know the actual photographer. I've had Ken Klingbells, a good friend of mine, who's photographed some amazing things with the most vivid colors that you can't find on aircraft, even drones. And uh, I trust his photographs. But other than that, um, I don't trust anything that's modern. I mean, you'd have to have something literally land in front of you and be sure that it's not man-made or military in order to say, yeah, you know, I've seen one, but uh, I'm left to just becoming an archivist now. I'll investigate occasionally, but it's too much wear and tear on the vehicle if you're going down dirt roads, and uh, maybe a lot of sightings will go unreported that way, officially or unofficially. Um, If people are still not made up their minds that we have an alien presence on their planet, then there's a big problem. Why? And I'm I'm already way past that. Why, why, why? You know, how can you say that? You know, you, once again, once again, you're a believer. 
Not everybody's I'm, a believer. I when, I, when you see UFOs, you don't. You, belief is based on faith and not having to have seen. I have seen, therefore I know. I uh, all right, but do you know for a fact that they're UFOs from another planet? Yeah. How do you know that for a fact? Because I, a friend of mine, we worked at INCO, actually has seen flying saucers in close proximity with a 600-power telescope in the late 60s and was able to see the five beings inside the saucer with one that was dressed in black. And All right, hold on. We've got to saucer. take our final break here. When we come back, let's talk about this. This is very yeah. interesting. ExoNation, our guest this hour is Michel Deschamps. And for more information about Michel, visit his website at www. N-O-U-F-O-R-S dot com. And uh, we'll be back as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Home from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Michelle Deschamps, our guest for this hour, www.noufors.com. Now, Michelle, take us through, you know, and take your time doing this, of this last sighting that we were talking about, that you actually looked through a 600-power telescope and saw five occupants of a UFO. Take us through that. No, that wasn't my sighting. Oh, I see. Yeah, that, but the recording of this man's multiple first-hand, second-hand, and third-hand stories, he was a tradesperson, a master welder at Inco. Okay. Uh, those audio files are on my website, on my audio clips page. Mm -hmm. And he's the first one posted there. You see this picture right there. His name is Don Campbell. Oh, okay. He's now but, 82 years old. All right, but tell, me, tell us about the story. Uh, I, I, so I, I thought that you said that, that you had seen the, uh, the UFO and the five occupants. I, I'm sorry, that was my mistake then. But no. once again, how yeah. do you know for a fact that the UFOs that you have seen and are seeing are from another planet? I, I guess you could say I use my gut instincts because I, I, I've looked at, at these things, mm -hmm. like I said, the 27 sightings. And I've, I've, I've read other reports, too. I've, sure. I've gathered as much as I could from other people and their and source of information mm -hmm. and put them all on the website so they just one 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 stop shopping kind of thing okay. I guess. and uh the thing is it's like there's too much arguing backwards and forwards if we're still stuck in 2019 and deciding whether or not we're being visited i've got 85 plus one photograph of uh, aliens that were seen that were not part of the abduction phenomena and I've had to separate those from the ones that are the repeat offenders, as I call them, the ones that are always seen and reported by the abductees themselves. 
Uh, it's to show that there's at least the military, the U.S. military says they've classified 52 species. I've classified 85 plus one. Well, wait, wait a sec. Hold on here. Yeah. Who in the U.S. military has ever said on the record that there are there are any species of extraterrestrials? Yeah, Clifford Stone has said that the military oh, wait, has classified okay, okay, 52 that's, species. Just because he says it doesn't mean it's true. Well, I've, I've, I've got sketches of 85 species, so whether I, they're, they're I can, being cataloged by the military, I don't know. All right, but once again, once again, it all comes down to credibility. This entire UFO scenario comes down to credibility. What you want to believe, what is fact. Now, just because somebody draws a sketch of an extraterrestrial and says, hey, Michelle, I was abducted by this kind of person, do you just take that and say, okay, yeah, we'll add this to the pile. Isn't that what they always do? <laughs> what does the military do with it? You know, well, why why are we being? Uh, you know, what what for instance, what is the NSA doing with all the data they're collecting off of our cell phone? What the hell is it for? Like, it's none of my. Listen, if you point. if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. I personally don't care what Big Brother wants to check me out because go right ahead. <laughs> you know, like everybody gets upset because. This person has this information. This person has this information. They are getting it through nefarious means. Well, as soon as you go to the gas station and you buy gas with either your credit card or your debit card, there's a record. There's a record because of a passport. You've got a record because of your OHIP card, your driver's license. And the list goes on and on and on and on. Big deal. If you've got nothing to hide from anyone... You've got nothing to fear. When I start, when I start li- hearing people say, "Well, you know, Big Brother's this, that, and the other thing," to me that raises a red flag because what are you hiding? What don't you want people to know? So this is getting back to the UFO scenario, yeah, where a lot of people are making a lot of claims that they cannot substantiate, and like you yourself have said, UFO sightings are down. Mainstream media laughs. At, at UFO reports. This entire thing with Tic Tac. Yeah. You know, that, that once again, this is something that is laughable. And, and yet there are those people out there who believe in their heart of hearts for some unknown reason that it's a spacecraft from another planet. Oh, because of the way it behaved. Yeah. Look at the timeline of, of when this video came out. The video was released by the military after the Russians said they had a hypersonic weapon that could easily be undetected by the U.S. government and the U.S. forces. Mm. All of a sudden, the military releases this Tic Tac footage, which many members of the military have said on and off the record that it is our very own hypersonic weapon, hypersonic vehicle just Mm. as much to say to the russians ha we've got one too so there you go but why 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 does everybody put any advancement that is in the favor of peace in the favor of equaling the the playing field when it comes to military tactics that it has to be something to do with aliens. You know, they talk about reverse engineering. They talk about, oh, and the list goes on. And then you've got, you've got people like Bob Salas, who's, you know, touting how the, the extraterrestrials or the UFOs destabilized uh, the weapons, weaponry at 
Where was it? Maelstrom. Twenty missiles. 10, ten to twenty missiles. Yeah, yeah. but you know, the, the, he doesn't say, he he doesn't tell the other side of the story where the co-commander sitting beside him when he first heard about what Salves was saying said, "What the hell is he talking about? That never happened." So where does the public believe? Where do we put our faith? Do we put our faith in a bunch of people who have been caught lying? Or do we put our faith in the people who are protecting us? That's the question. It comes Nobody. to a point of credibility. Nobody's protecting us. Oh, come Nobody's on. Nobody's protecting oh, us. Oh, come on. Hey, no. hey. The military couldn't care less about, about lighting UFOs. You know what? Well, that's because they're not believe, there. I don't, I don't even believe that they can back-engineer technology that's possibly a million years old. You know, that's because they're not there, Michel. It's nice to think that there's UFOs. Maybe you've seen one. I don't know. I wasn't there. You know? But I, I'm telling you, when, it, when push comes to shove, what are you going to do? Call for an alien? Or you're going to call the military, you're going to call the police, you're going to call for help. Because as sure as God is my judge in heaven, there's no codes like 911 to call an alien. But there is for the police, there is for first responders. And God forbid, in case of an attack, the military would be there for us. So once again, the question is, where do you put your faith? Do you put it in something that very few see or do you put your faith where the facts lie you can see the military you can call the police you can all those have been seen and they're they're there for you they're there for you they don't care what time of day it is or night or where you are they'll be there to help you once that call comes in so my question is who do you believe do you believe that there's extraterrestrials out there, and if they're out there, what are they here for? Maybe they're nefarious too. Who knows? Or do you believe? I don't see. I don't see. I don't see any signs. You know, my belief is, mm -hmm. and, and it ties in with the abduction phenomena. The uh, I believe that one or two of the species actually had their hands in our creation. That they tweaked us over time. Mm -hmm. Virgin Mary was was uh, was artificially inseminated. Jesus was one of theirs. And uh, that, uh, and I'm not the only one who thinks this. People are coming around to the same idea, and the uh, the fact that the abductions is a means by which they are monitoring our development as we go along, as we evolve, and uh, they are always here. I believe there's a base on the far side of the moon. It's a perfect duck blind for them to keep watch instead of traveling back and forth to whatever wherever they are from. Uh -huh. It doesn't make any sense to me that they'll be traveling back and forth, come here, mutilate a few other cows, go back a million miles away when they could be close by. There's bases there's underwater. If they're so bases. smart, if they're so smart, yeah. and if they can travel all this distance, why in the name of God will they need to keep on mutilating cows? Wouldn't one cow do? Oh, come on, they, I, come I on, I think let's it's go. something to do with genetics, ma genetic material. I, I, God forbid if uh -huh. they start eating cows just like we eat cows. Uh -huh. I mean... I don't argue against people killing animals to feed themselves, right. but I have doubts that they actually have the same uh, uh, need for nutrients, uh, the same kind of nutrients that we do. I mean, uh, uh, who knows what it's all about? That's yeah. why we don't have so many answers. That's why we're doing research. If we had all the answers like as to where the aliens are from, mm -hmm. where do they call themselves on their own planet? What are they called as a civilization? We, half of our job would be done. Half of if, our research would if, be done. If this is such a pressing issue, how come there's not more members of the scientific community involved in this? Why is it only the, the amateurs? Because the scientists have spent years going to school to know what they've 
they've come to know. Mm-hmm. It'd be like those those astrophysicists like uh, Jill Tarter and uh, Seth Shorshak, who's who just don't want to have this stuff become real. Because oh, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec. Seth Shostak, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Seth Shostak from SETI, he's working yeah. with an organization that is seeking the search for extraterrestrials, right? That's what SETI does. Is yeah, they but scan- it's a waste of time. How do you know it's a waste of time? Because UFOs are not using signals. They're coming here with their vehicles. They have, they're have that advanced. They don't use radio signals. They're not at our level. There's probably some that are developing at uh-huh. our level, but not to say that they're actually going to use radio signals to contact us. Hey, Michelle, I hate to do this, but our time is up. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I guess there's not a lot to do up in northern Ontario. 27 sightings. He's convinced that UFOs are real. He doesn't check with air traffic control. He doesn't check with the police. doesn't check with the military. I guess he doesn't check with anybody who could actually say, you know what? You're wrong. I know he got a little testy when I started pushing him. And you know what? Too bad. Just too bad. I want to believe. I really do. But I don't know. It's cold up there in them Meyer Hills. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. (laughs) 